This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. And we're like, okay, well, what can we do to support this? What can we do to change our life to make sure that this can happen? Because if that's what is, if that's your goal in life, and if that's, you know, the vision that you have for the life that you want to live, what do we do to get there? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today, we're going to do two things. First, I'm going to share the seven steps that I've taken to increase my salary from five figures to six figures. And second, we are back, my friends, with our Family Fi segment. That is Family Financial Independence. This week, we are featuring Erica Gellerman, who is in the midst of a huge family leap. She and her husband are quitting their jobs and moving to Hawaii. Yes, Oh, Hawaii. <laughs> we talk about their plans and we also talk about why not everyone should do what they are doing. So we're going to help you grow your salary and then also talk about not having a salary at all. <laughs> we're all over the map today, my friends. All right, let's jump into today's show. I don't know about you, but when I get a pay raise at work, I feel incredible. I get a gigantic smile across my face because I feel like my hard work has finally been validated. All the extra hours, the emails, the phone calls, the presentations, and the unwavering commitment to my company's success has quite literally paid off. But it's not as easy as just showing up to work one day and your boss calling you into his office and saying, hey, you, yeah, you, you're getting a raise, pal. Party. (laughs) Let's party. If it were only that easy, right? Right? We have to work hard. We got to put in the hours. We got to follow the right steps. Now, I've only been working in the corporate world for like 15 years. I started 15, 15, 16 years, something like that. So I know that I still have a lot to learn, but what I do know is what's worked for me so far. And I figured I would just share that information with you all today in a lovely seven step format. So here are the seven important steps that I've taken to take my career from five figures to six figures. Number one, establish credibility. We need to understand that our reputation matters. If we promise to do something and we don't do it one time, that's that's forgivable. But if we promise to do something on multiple separate occasions and we still don't come through, then we're showing who we really are in the eyes of our employer and our colleagues. We are unreliable. Let's be people of integrity. When we say we're going to do something, let's it. Every day we get a new opportunity to be our best selves. Let's start today. When we show our colleagues, clients, and employer that we're reliable and trustworthy, we get more and more people 
who are willing to vouch for us. We get more and more people saying, that's a person I want on my team. Number two, go above and beyond your job description. When I've been given recognition, raises, and bonuses in my career, it's always been tied to my ability to exceed expectations. I understand what my goals are, and I aim to exceed them. Perhaps I'm like a goal-oriented person, but I personally, I love the challenge, especially if there's a monetary reward tied to it. That's the money guy coming out here. (laughs) Perhaps you don't know what your goals are and your role, and that is a perfect place to start. Take some time to meet with your supervisor and ask if the two of you can clearly chart out your annual goals. Tell her you want to exceed expectations in your role and you want to be very clear on what those expectations are. This meeting will do three things. Number one, it's going to show your supervisor that you're invested in the company's success. The second thing, you'll come away with an understanding of how you can be successful in your role and you will have clear, measurable metrics to show your supervisor in the future when you ask for that raise. And I promise I'm going to get to that, that point too, where we go from the five figures to the six figures. <laughs> Overall, though, senior management, they love when employees make their lives easier. So this is a great place to start having that conversation with your supervisor. Number three, grow your network. Although I love talking about the importance of tracking your net worth, I truly believe that your network is more powerful and more crucial to your long-term success than your net worth. As you've established yourself as a reliable colleague, invest some time in growing your professional relationships in the office. This doesn't mean you need to go out to lunch with everybody every day or do the happy hours or anything like that. Take time to have one-on-one meetings with your colleagues to let them know your career goals and your objectives. Have them do the same for you. You'd be surprised how the power of teamwork and networking, even inside the four walls of your office, can help you grow your career and your salary. Other areas to grow your network of allies and partners are in person and online. Grab lunches or meetings with new friends who work in your field and ask them their best practices for success. Become really active on LinkedIn, start some conversations, and grow your social network. My current job, the one I'm in right now, came from a recruiter finding me on LinkedIn because I was busy on there and I updated my profile and they found me. So, number four, continuously educate yourself. It's important to never stop learning. This keeps your mind fresh and your supervisor will take notice. When you're consistently coming up with new ideas, different approaches, and alternative routes for the company to make or save money, you are quickly becoming an indispensable asset at the office. Of course, education can come in many forms. There are higher education routes like a master's or a doctorate program. Now, it's debatable whether degrees like an MBA are worth it lately, but more certified education can't hurt, especially if your employer financially supports your efforts through tuition reimbursement. That is an awesome perk to get at the office. There are definitely some less expensive and less time-consuming routes to consider. I will tell you because I did five and a half years of night school for my MBA and I would not do it over again. 
but that's just the route that I took more in the agency world. I'm not sure it was actually required. But anyway, here are some of my favorite inexpensive education routes to consider. Number one, listening to a podcast about your field of work on your way to work. Number two, reading industry articles and blogs that give you different perspectives. Number three, attending a local seminar or conference focused on enhancing your abilities. Number four, taking a mentor out for a coffee or a lunch and picking their brain about their success. And then the last one here, number five, checking out a book at the local library centered around your business. Having a spirit of curiosity and a will to improve will help you get to that next level much faster. All right, number five, ask for a raise. Yay, yeah, here I am at the juicy part, right? <laughs> well, I did that I did that on purpose because just going into the office and you know making your request for more money, it's just it just doesn't work like that. You need to put in the work first before you ask for the green. Proving your worth and making your employer feel like they just can't do their business without you is key. Let's say it's time to ask, right? You clearly understand your goals. You've exceeded your expectations. You have a great reputation. Your colleagues think you're a rock star and you're expanding your mind with new ideas consistently. Where do we go from here? Okay, here's what I've done when I'm asking for a raise. Number one, research the average salary of your position through sites like Glassdoor so you can see if you're in the general range. Number two, take a close friend out for lunch or coffee who works in the same field and ask them to share where they are salary-wise. This will help you get a gauge for what to ask for. Number three, decide what you feel is fair based on your research. Now, looking into it personally, 3 to 5% is average for staying in the same position. And if we're talking about a promotion, 8 to 10% is a solid, solid number. Number four, prepare a short synopsis of your accomplishments to back up your request for a raise. Number five, craft a letter and print it out and present it to your supervisor. Number six, set a meeting notice with your supervisor in the near future for this conversation. Number seven, when you're in the meeting, state what your request is confidently. Remember, you've earned this. You got to act like it. Number eight, start by sharing your accomplishments and your commitment to the company and then share your request. Number nine, then just stop talking. Wait for their feedback. Sometimes we talk too much because silence can be a powerful negotiator. Number 10, give them time to think and review it with upper management. If too much time passes by, you can definitely set up another in-person meeting to follow up. Okay, number six, jump at new opportunities. Let's say you got that 3% raise, right? Way to go. Congratulations. You deserve it. You worked hard. More money in your pocket is always a good thing. Now, don't forget to save for a rainy day in that emergency fund or invest some more money and also make sure you have some fun too. Perhaps this process has gotten you fired up now though, and you're looking for ways to grow your salary even more. This is when you can keep your ear to the street and learn about opportunities for advancement. The bigger the role, the bigger the pay. So let me tell you a little story about how I did that. I went from $48,000 
to $100,000 in my salary early in my career by stating my genuine interest to upper management about a new and highly coveted position that was opening up. Luckily, I had been exceeding expectations up to that point, so I quickly became the favorite candidate and was accepted into the role quickly. But that was a big jump. I was making a lot more money, right? But I had a lot more responsibility. So make sure you're ready for those responsibilities that come with the role because, man, it was a lot more. But, I mean, it was, it was a big deal, 50000 to 100000 pretty much. Yeah, a lot more came with it, but uh, I was very happy and it helped put our family in a good position. Number seven, take a new position outside the company. Oh man, if you're exceeding expectations, documenting your success, and your supervisors are still not giving you the monetary recognition you feel you deserve, there is no shame in pursuing other opportunities. Taking a career jump to a completely new employer can be an excellent opportunity to quickly increase your salary and reboot your frustrated brain. Moves like this can also help you receive a fast promotion if you are being passed over at your current employer and potentially you could get a 10 to 30% salary increase if you play your cards right. Before making such an important decision, make sure you factor in other non-salary specific aspects like your commute, your benefits, your insurance, your retirement options, your flexibility with your work schedule, who your supervisor is. Oh man, that's a big one. The work environment and the general financial stability of the new place you're going to be working. Okay, let's recap those seven steps that I just went through to take your salary from five figures to six figures. Number one, establish credibility. Number two, go above and beyond your job description. Number three, grow your network. Number four, continuously educate yourself. Number five, ask for a raise. Number six, jump at new opportunities. And then number seven, if all else fails, take a new position outside the company. Good things happen to smart, goal-oriented, and determined people. I've had the opportunity to interview probably almost 200 of them on this weekly podcast. These self-made millionaires, financially independent rock stars, and debt-free parents all carry a similar trait. They don't give up when things get difficult. They believe in themselves, and they know if they keep at it, their hard work will pay dividends down the road. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Now let's jump back into the show. segment this month, we are talking about pursuing financial independence by doing work we love. There's a movement taking place amongst our generation, my friends, a movement that says, don't work at a job you hate just because it pays well. Today, I want to talk with someone who, after 14 years of working the corporate life, has decided to leave their job in order to pursue a new life of purpose in Hawaii. Yes, Hawaii. (laughs) Erica Gellerman is our guest today. She's a marketing consultant and creator of The Worth Project, a personal finance newsletter, blog, and podcast. She writes and contributes to major publications like Forbes, Business Insider, and NerdWallet. She's also a mother to a one-year-old boy named Henry. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. It's such a pleasure to be here. I listen to this all the time. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So Erica, this adventure to Hawaii sounds really exciting and your change of career. So talk to us a little bit about what type of work you were doing after you graduated so people can understand the type of work you were in. Sure. So right after college, I graduated and decided I like money, but I don't really know what I want to do with my life. So I decided I would go get my CPA. And I ended up working at a big company, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and did that for a while. And while I enjoyed the people I worked with, I didn't enjoy the work. So I went back to school and wanted to do something a little bit more creative. And so I went and got my MBA at Duke and decided to go into marketing. And so coming out, I did a little consumer marketing and then I was like, you know, I really want to go back into the money world. And so I started doing um, marketing consulting for the financial space. So really for CPAs and financial advisors and was like, all right, this combines, you know, what I like about money and marketing. So there we go. 
Very cool. So you feel like you found something that you're passionate about? I do. I really enjoy it. It's really, it's been a journey and it's fun. I think the biggest pleasure that I get is from not helping necessarily these companies market themselves, but from creating things that really resonate messages that customers understand. And because there's so much jargon out there and I just find it so intimidating. And so creating something that's just in plain English that you or I could really, you know, just read and completely understand and know what's going on. That's really what I'm most passionate about. And so I work with a lot of advisors who want to speak in plain English, but they don't do that in their daily life and they don't know how to write that way. And so I help them do that. And that's really, really rewarding. That's very cool. That's very cool. So when did you, during this process, this career process, sort of make that decision to say, I think I'm going to go out and do this myself because that's a big leap. You know, people who are, are comfortable with the PricewaterhouseCooper job because it's got the name and it's got the benefits and and everything like that. How, how do you decide to just go out on your own? So it was it was a long process, actually. So I went into consumer marketing and my husband has had the same job for He's had one job for 14 years, which he is actually now leaving as as we start this new journey. But um, he was transferred to London and I was like, "Okay, I'll come with you. And so I transferred to London with him and had to find a new job over here because, as I mentioned, I went to business school, which was great, but also very expensive. And it landed me in six figures of debt. And so there was no way I was going to uh, start anything on my own with that sort of um, elephant, you know, weighing me down. And so I ended up finding a job for, at, with a tech company here in London. And I said to Jordan, I remember on the first day, because I was already getting that itch of like, I want to do something on my own, but I didn't know what. And I said to him, like, I either want to love this job or despise it. I want there to be no in between. Like, I hope I love it, but I don't want something to be just fine that I feel comfortable with, you know? And live like halfway excited about my career forever. And so unfortunately I didn't love it. I despised it Mm. and I needed to find something else to help me like get through it. And so I started actually writing and the only thing I knew to write about was money. And so after, you know, taking the CPA exam and just my own personal journey with my student loans, that was the only thing I could really think or want to write about. And so I started writing for some small blogs. They're not small, actually. I started writing for sites that cater to millennial women. So like the Every Mom and um, a site called Cupcakes and Cashmere. So I started writing and getting a little bit more comfortable. I started my own blog. And then from there, I realized that I had people signing up for my newsletter with, you know, companies that were either CPA firms or, you know, big financial firms. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Why are are they signing up for my personal blog about money? This is strange. And then the first email came in and somebody was like, hey, do you do this for companies? And I said, I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Let me figure that out. (laughs) And so it was, it was in there. It was before that 
instance, I actually left my job while I was just getting this writing career started. Um, and Jordan was employed. And so he luckily was able to help a little bit financially through that, even though, you know, it's tough. We're living in London. It's a very expensive place. And so I had a short runway to kind of get myself up and running and earn, earn some income and get myself back to a place where I was contributing meaningfully to our family. But so it was really, I just despised my job, started something as an outlet and it, I let it grow organically from there. That's incredible. So you made the transition from full-time employee to doing a little side gig that brought you some joy and then transitioning into this being your full-time thing and becoming a mother at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) luckily I transitioned before Henry came along, but yeah. (laughs) How has that been as a young mother growing your small business, trying to I guess, maintain the flexibility of, of that important growth, but then also spending time with Henry. It's been much more challenging than I thought to be like completely honest. And I listen to all of these podcasts where people say, you know, I was able to grow my business in five hours a week while my child was napping. And that just wasn't my reality. First of all, Henry was a terrible napper. And so he would go down for 20 minutes and I was like, okay, I have 20 minutes to shove food in my face and shower there was no work happening. And so it was more challenging, I think, than I expected. But it taught me to be really intentional with my time and with what I prioritized. And so I actually had some clients that were outside of the financial industry because, you know, people would pass my name along and I'd say, sure, I'll help a natural food chef too. And sure, I'll help this person who's an interior designer or somebody who's opening a yoga studio. And at the end of the day, all of those additional jobs, while they were great because they brought in money, they were sucking time away from the core purpose of what I was trying to do. And so that was a really scary thing was to kind of try and say no you know, I'm not going to continue working on these jobs that even though they pay well, are taking me in different directions and splitting my focus because ultimately I want to make sure I'm as focused as I can while I work so that I can work as quickly as possible to spend as much time as I can with Henry. That's a lot for a young mother. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like I look at everybody else and it feels like everybody else does it so much better. And because you're listening to these crazy podcasts that feature these, uh, you know, these, these (laughs) folks that have made some incredible feats. And I, I I joke about it because I, because I do that, um, is that I, uh, you know, share these stories, but I'm wondering, is it, is it refreshing sometimes to hear that it's not always that easy? I, I think for me personally, it is because a lot of, I went through, you know, a lot of times where I felt like a failure, right? When Henry's four months old and I had 12 hours of, you know, babysitting time that I had lined up for somebody to come over. And I was so frustrated that I couldn't get enough work done to, you know, bring in a full-time income, even though I'm only working 12 hours a week, but I just had such mismatched expectations and I think it sometimes it can be helpful to hear those inspiring stories, absolutely, but then also hear the ones that say, you know, if it doesn't work out like that, it's okay. You can keep going. It just might look a little different. 
Well, thank you for sharing that with us today because that is a good perspective for people to have. Absolutely. So at the same time, or I don't know, around the same time, it sounds like your husband is making a transition out of the workforce as well. So tell us what he was doing and why he's decided to move off of that. He, he is. And this is probably like the scariest, but not scary at the same time thing we've ever done. So I had started my business before Henry was born. Obviously, I scaled back when Henry was very young. And um, while I was seven months pregnant, Jordan's parents were going to come out and live. They were going to come out here and live once Henry was born for the first few months to help us out, which was amazing. We were over here because he's a an engineer. He's a chemical engineer for an oil company, and he's done the same job for 14 years. And he's loved it because they have it's allowed him to move all over the world and try new projects. And he really works with people that he admires. He thinks his coworkers are phenomenal. So we're in London for his job. We're expecting a baby. And seven months, I'm seven months pregnant and we go out um, looking for a little cottage for his parents to stay in. And, you know, we're kind of getting everything together for Henry to be born. And we call his parents, you know, when we get home, we're like, we found the best place. And his mom just like goes right into it. And she's like, I can't come. I have a very aggressive form of breast cancer. And you know, sorry, everything's off. And we were just, I don't think I appreciated it until recently, like how challenging it was for Jordan at that time, because he's about to become a new dad. And, you know, he's so excited to bring a child into this world. And then he has his mom who's 5,000 miles away battling breast cancer and he can't be in two places at once. And so it was a challenging time for him. And I think that sometimes you need that little nudge of something to get you to really explore, like, what am I doing? You know? And so even though he loved his job, I shouldn't say loved, even though he really enjoyed pieces of his job, he felt that there was something missing in his purpose. It wasn't what he ultimately felt like he's here to do. It wasn't the impact that he wanted to make because deep down, Jordan loves the environment, which is shocking for somebody who works for an oil company. <laughs> it's one of those like, you know, you get sucked onto a career path and then you keep going and you blink and it's 14 years later. And all of a sudden you're on this track doing something that doesn't align with your values. Mm. And so I knew he was struggling with this. I felt terrible because you know, at this point, Henry, you know, is a couple months old and I'm making pretty much nothing because I've scaled back as I'm like giving myself a little mini maternity leave. And he's like becoming unhappy as he starts realizing this isn't what I wanted my life to be. And my mom is far away and, you know, I don't have the freedom that I want. And so I actually found, I don't know if you've heard of this, but um, George Kinder's Three Questions. Have you heard of these? I've heard of it from you. From you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's, um, George Kinder was a financial planner and he gave up that side of his practice, but he um, created these three questions that sparked this movement called financial life planning. And because I was writing for advisors, I, this kind of kept coming up in that space and things that I would write about for them because he's really well known in that space. 
And so I was like, well, what are these three questions? And so I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is so interesting. These three questions are supposed to help you figure out what your purpose is in life and what you want to do. And I was like, there's no way three questions can do this. <laughs> but <laughs> I printed it out. I gave it to Jordan. We put Henry down for a nap and I'm like, okay, we're each going to do this. We walked through the three questions and we each did it separately. And then we came together and we started talking about our answers. And these questions are like, if you have five years left to live, you know, what would you do with your time? And you're like, oh my goodness, like I've never thought like that before. And it just kind of, especially with his mom going through this, it like really put it in perspective to him. So we got done with these questions and Jordan just sat there and he's like, I care so deeply about the environment. My company is in direct conflict with that. I can't do this anymore. I need to quit my job. And that was, and that was it. And it was just, it happened. And he, I've never, that was what was so great about these three questions was to help make everything so clear that decisions that would kind of take a long time or you would kind of, you know, think about, but never actually do for years, it just made everything crystal clear. And we made, he made a decision and we're like, okay, well, what can we do to support this? What can we do to change our life to make sure that this can happen? Because if that's what is, that's your goal in life. And if that's, you know, the vision that you have for the life that you want to live, what do we do to get there? And so that's really what kind of inspired this whole change. That was now a year ago. And we've been working slowly towards it since then. And we are, we have a one-way ticket back to the U.S. and back to Hawaii. Um, we're leaving the U.K. in August, spending a month with, with his family, and then going to Hawaii in September. Wow. Well, you know what, Erica? I am um, inspired by these three questions and your desire to find purpose in life. And it's, as we were talking about earlier, it's a very inspiring story. But since you are a money person, let's talk about the financial implications of this decision. So yeah. what did you guys do to prepare to be able to leave your corporate jobs with a one-year-old and move from London to Hawaii? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. At first when he was like, I'm going to quit my job, I was like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you know? I'm like, hold on. We have a mortgage. We have like all of this stuff. And then we sat down. It was a lot of time with spreadsheets. But so some of the things that we started doing was the very first thing we did was we sat down and relooked at all of our expenses. So we relooked at everything that we thought, everything we were spending money on that we thought was crucial to our life. So for example, Jordan has a car here that he wanted to keep. But cars are expensive, right? And so what happens if we decide to go carless? What does that look like? Selling the car, going carless? Well, that's actually a huge help money-wise. We had also purchased a piece of land in California with the dreams of building you know, our dream home on that. And because that didn't line up with the vision for our life anymore, it was really easy to make the decision to sell it. And to say, okay, well, what if we take that out of the equation? How much does that free up every month? Because we had a small mortgage on it. I shouldn't say small. We had a mortgage on it. <laughs> you know, so uh, how much does that free up every single month? Um, 
And then we started making small changes, just really being very intentional with our money. So I like to think of it as for every dollar that I'm spending, I want to get the most amount of happiness from it. Right. So is everything that we're spending bringing us a lot of happiness? Is it bringing us the most joy that it possibly can? And there were so many areas where it just wasn't. So for example, we were eating out and because we're busy parents, right? Because we're both working, we have a, you know, (laughs) kind of a hectic, crazy household, but we were picking up takeout and we were doing things that just maybe weren't healthy choices for our money and for ourselves. And so we said, you know, what does it look like if we try to give up eating out and go move towards like a zero waste household? Like that actually made a huge impact on our budget, budget every single week. And we did these things out of like more of like an experiment. Like what happens if we start doing this? What happens if we make these small changes? What happens if we, you know, take these things out of our budget? How much more breathing room do we have? And all of a sudden we were saving so much more money. And we've always tried to live very leanly, right? We've never been big spenders. We've never, uh, you know, lived above our means, aside from the fact that I landed myself in a lot of student debt, that was definitely living above my means. But aside from that, you know, we always tried to be good. And it was shocking. Once we went through with maybe a little bit more intention looking at our money, like how much more how much we were able to live without. And then, so the final piece of it was we were looking at moving costs and we're like, oh my goodness, moving to Hawaii, moving all of our stuff, moving, doing this is expensive. And so finally one day we were like, well, what happens if we just sell it all? What if we just sell everything we own? Because honestly, I don't really want to pack it up and take it with us. So (laughs) we're selling like 90% of everything we own and you know, that's, we don't expect to make a ton of money from selling things because the track record of how much we're making so far is not a lot, but it's more the idea that, you know, we're just really downsizing our life. And to some of our friends who are in similar, you know, corporate jobs, we look insane right now, you know, getting rid of everything with our one-year-old and like going, booking a one-way ticket to Hawaii to, you know, do work that we're more passionate about. But when we were able to kind of remove all the clutter from our life of the things we thought we should want, we ended up with a lot more breathing room in order to chase these goals. Got it. Well, let's talk about the income side of things. Obviously, I mean, you can reduce your expenses a ton. You could you could uh, live on ten thousand dollars a year, but where's the ten thousand dollars coming from? What, what's what's Jordan gonna be doing for work, and how is your business going? Sure. So, I am building up my business quite a bit, and so that has been really. Good. Thank goodness I have the opportunity to do that, right? And so I've seen it grow significantly every single month. And I'm to a point where I can cover our basic monthly expenses in Hawaii just based on my income. And that was our goal. Like, we want this goal of, you know, not having to dip into savings when we go to Hawaii. The other, the second thing we did was as we've been reducing our expenses so much over this year, we put all of that excess into a savings account, which we call our freedom fund. And that's for Jordan. That's his account. So right now it's like a nice cushion and it's to cover, you know, the things that happen in life because these things happen, like things are going to happen that I won't be able to cover with my income. And so 
we've said, Jordan, you get 12 months, you get 12 months to figure out where you're going to work in this green space, figure out what you want to do, what type of business you want to start. And once those 12 months are done, you know, hopefully we haven't touched that safety net cushion bank account that we have, but if we do, you know, that's fine. Um, but yeah, you have 12 months to figure this out. And this was really important for me because when I was in a job that I hated and I wanted to transition to working for myself, he said, okay, you know, we can make this work. We have a little financial runway and a cushion and I'm happy picking up the slack for a while. And so now this is my chance to repay it to him. And I just, I'm really actually surprisingly excited to do that and to give him that space. I know he's a little hesitant and a little worried, and I think it's going to be weird for him to not have an income, but I'm so excited that he gets to spend more time thinking about what he wants to do and spend more time with his son. I love so. that. I, I love the fact that you guys have built up this. It's almost like a, I don't want to call it a mini retirement. I, it's almost like a a gap year. <laughs> it's, a gap year. it's a gap year. I love year. that. Jordan's having a gap year. <laughs> <laughs> he might not like that. He might not like that because it sounds like post-college thing. Well, I don't know. It's time to yeah. breathe. And I think that's it important because if he's working at a job, you know, full time and, you know, he's got to make sure that he's bringing in the money and everything like that, you don't really have time to explore what your true passion is. And the fact that, that this is the key fact, nobody, not everybody can do this, but if you decide, hey, Let's save up enough money where this is financially possible. This is the responsible way to do this. Not only are you allowing yourself to dream and get an understanding of what your true passion is, but you're doing it in a responsible way. So kudos. That's the main point I wanted to make sure everybody heard again, um, because not no, not everybody can or should do this, right? I mean, what are... What yeah. are what are some irresponsible ways of going about what you guys are doing? I mean, let's talk about that. You're you're a money person, so let's make sure that people hear this loud and clear. Yeah, some irresponsible ways of doing this is not walking through the scenarios because I, you know, we have taken a year to get comfortable with this and to build ourselves up to this place where we can go. If I was to look back at what we were doing last spring and what we thought the assumptions that we made money wise last spring, like, first of all, healthcare, we had no idea. Like that was the biggest thing we had to go research. It's irres- It would be irresponsible to do this without knowing how you're going to be able to protect your family with something like health insurance. Um, so not doing that kind of research is, it would make your journey really hard. And here's the, here's the thing is like, we don't want to fall on our face with this, right? At the end of 12 months, or we don't want to get six months in and be like, Oh no, Jordan, you got, you got to go beg for your job back because this isn't working. And so you just want to try and set yourself up as much as possible. Another thing that I think, you know, having really unrealistic expectations, right? So you have to go into it knowing what your goals are. And if your goal is to come out of it and build a business, have a business that you've created for yourself on the other side, which is like what Jordan's real goal is. I think that you have to be really intentional with how you set up your time when you're out there and how you kind of set up the systems that you have in place. So like the money systems that we have to make sure we're not spending a ton of money, you know, how we're setting ourselves up for success by getting rid of things like the piece of land. Um, it's just, it's really a, you have to look at your whole entire picture and not have 
unrealistic expectations about what's going to happen in this next year. Um, And then also doing it with a kid. Things happen with kids, right? Like unexpected things happen with kids. And I would hate to have, you know, something happen and we need, let's say, emergency care for Henry or something like that and to not feel like we can financially help him. Uh, you know, like, or that we have to put it on a credit card or that it's, you know, like, oh, you don't need to, you know, go to the doctor. (laughs) You're probably fine. And like risking it because of money, you know? And so I think if you, you have kids that you're having to think about having a safety net, not going into it without a safety net is just not a good idea. It's just not. So it's a leap of faith with a safety net. It is. Yeah. We're tiptoeing. We're 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 (laughs) tiptoeing. Well, let's talk a little bit about the health insurance thing, because that is a big mystery for a lot of people. So what have you discovered? What are your plans? How is that going to work for your family of three? Yeah, this is actually a really good tip that I should actually suggest that people do if they're in a place with their employer, they have a good relationship, but they don't want to work for their employer anymore. There's a lot of negotiation that can happen when you're leaving a company. And so Jordan put in his notice or told his boss he was thinking about putting in his notice two months ago. And we're not leaving for another three months. So five months early. And so giving them that runway saying, hey, I think I'm going to leave, gave his boss a chance to say, well, what can we do? to have you stick around for a little bit longer and transition. And Jordan was able to say, okay, I'll stick around for, you know, these extra five months, but I'm going to want something at the end. At the end, I'm going to want healthcare. I'm going to want healthcare for my family. And so he was able to secure us healthcare for the next, I think it's 10 months once he leaves his job, which is huge. And which is something we were not planning on. That is incredible. And so I just, I, ha- I can't like stress this enough. We actually, do you know the blog Financial Samurai? Yes. He talks about engineering your layoff. Jordan read that. He was like, I'm, ge- I'm not going to quit. I'm going to see what I can do here. And I have to say it worked. And the only thing we wanted was healthcare figured out and having 10 months of healthcare it was a huge surprise that wasn't built into our plan that gave us an extra a lot of breathing room. Once that 10 months is up, we've already looked. We know what plan we're going to take from the exchange. It's actually much less scary than I thought because we were ready. We had already done all the research and we were ready to make that leap. And so getting something on the healthcare exchange, very expensive. I think for the three of us, we wanted a very good plan because we do expect to have another child. We do hope to have another child in the future. And so we really want good health care to cover our one-year-old and a potential future child. And so health insurance for the three of us is going to be about $1,700, $1,800 a month, which oh, it's expensive, but it's a straightforward process. And, you know, you use their calculator and you kind of figure it out and build it in. Thankfully, it's a business expense. <laughs> very, and, you know, um, so it can be included as, you know, what I'm, I'm supporting the family with income and with healthcare. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's what we've decided to do was go once these 10 months are up, we'll go through the exchange. That's incredible. So he has his runway and you have your growing business. Yes. 
I do. Yes. So let's hope it let's hope it keeps going. There's always fear, right? I think there's always fear, even though it sounds like it's figured out. It's always scary to make a change, but it's worth it. <laughs> I well, hope. Let's talk about the the worth it part because we talked about some maybe some bad moves that people could make if they're thinking of quitting their jobs and moving to Hawaii. Let's talk about <laughs> why you are excited about this. What is what is filling your heart up right now? So we've actually lived in Hawaii before. So before, mm, ten, nine years ago, we lived in Hawaii and we said, we always want to come back here because we really like the lifestyle. We just, for us, it's such a wonderful place to live. And we had always thought we would go back in retirement and we never thought we would have the chance to go back before then. And so it's just making me so happy knowing that we have created this option for ourselves to go back, you know, in our mid thirties, not in our mid sixties, you know? And so that's just being intentional and taking the time and like really creating a plan. You can, you can do it. You can go move to the place you want to move to. And so that's just making me so, so happy. Um, I'm also really excited for Jordan to finally get into the space that he's so, so passionate about and so excited about. I feel like ever since we've decided to do this, everything is easier. So we used to try and like, you know, stay up late to work on ideas. And now that he knows what he wants to do, you know, in general, like, you know, I want to, he wants to explore this space, like seeing him, he's up so late every single night. And I'm like, go to bed, Jordan. Mm -hmm. But it really, it just makes me happy seeing like the fire and the enthusiasm that he has for, you know, this new life change that, you know, we're embarking on right now. And it's just, it makes me so happy. And then the idea of getting to spend so much more time with him and with our son and together as a family, like, yes, we'll be working, but there's also a lot more flexibility right now. He's gone for 11 to 12 hours per day, like most working people are, you know, and just the idea that he's going to get to be there a lot more and be a lot more present in Henry's life as you know, as he's a little guy, it's just, I'm, I'm really, really excited for this. And he's going to be there for a big adventure going on. A big adventure. Yeah, we're excited. That's very cool. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited for you about this secured, safe leap of faith. I love it. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about people who are listening that say, well, that sounds pretty exciting. What, what, what suggestions might you have for people to, I guess, try to find that true calling or their passion, something that they're really inspired about, and maybe make their safe leap of faith. <laughs> so I cannot more highly recommend the three questions from George Kinder and the financial life planning process. So we actually ended up doing the three questions and then we got his book. Um, and I have been the type of person who has always said, I don't know what I want to do with my life or, you know, what am I doing with my life and kind of feeling very lost. And these three questions just bring everything into focus so quickly for you. I just, 
I mean, I can't, I recommend them to everyone that I see who doesn't even ask for recommendations. I'm like, Oh, do you enjoy what you're doing? No, you should do the three questions because it'll help you figure out exactly what you want to do in life. Can you tell us what the three questions are? I sure can. I mean, we don't have to do the practice right now, but you can tell us what they are. I'll, I'll definitely send the link to everybody. Yes. Um, so the first question is, imagine you have all the money in the world. What would you do? Which I didn't find to be helpful. You know, I was like, well, I don't have all the money in the world, (laughs) but wrote that question. The next question is now imagine that you've gone to the doctor and you have just been surprised with the news that you're going to die in the next five to 10 years and you won't, you know, be sick. It'll be sudden and you don't know when it's coming. What would you change about your life right now? And so that's like, I, remember I was like two months postpartum taking these and I was writing these out and I was like, Oh my God, no, my baby was just born, you know, like very, very much crying. And then the third question is now actually your doctor made a mistake and you only have 24 hours left to live. Who did you not get to become? And I was like, Oh my God, who did I not get to become? And it just taps into the you know, all the dreams you had for yourself as a child and like who you thought you would end up becoming. And you start thinking about that and thinking about where you are right now. And for us, both of us, all of a sudden it just became crystal clear. Like this is the person I had wanted to become and I didn't get a chance to, and you know, no, tomorrow is never guaranteed. And so I need to start becoming that person that I wanted to be right now. And it just lights a fire under you. And so you actually come out with, you come up with coming out of this, you, there are key core values that you want to build your life around. And so for us, it was, um, community, it was the environment for Jordan. It was family time and it was our mental and physical health. And so we started prioritizing those in small, small steps coming out of that. And so it was, you know, a lot more family time, a lot more, you know, trying Jordan selling his car so that he could, you know, reduce his impact on the environment. And it just, it really starts bringing your life into alignment, like how you actually live your life, bringing it into alignment with who you actually want to become. And it was such a magical process. So I highly encourage everybody to like sit down and take the time to do them because it's, life-changing i don't know <laughs> well erica you're gonna have to send me that link i'll put in the show notes for everybody to test out and um i guess find their purpose i love it very cool erica thank you so much for being here today where can people connect with you more and learn about this crazy awesome adventure you're on thank you yes yeah, so sharing everything on my website theworthproject.co and on instagram at theworthproject.co and we're going to start sharing my gosh, what we're doing in the next 12 weeks, selling everything, like finishing out our time in Europe, and then what it's like to leave everything and move to Hawaii. So we're excited. Well, Erica, thank you so much for being here today. This was extremely inspiring, and I'm glad we walked through it. Um, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to, it was really nice to be here. I've listened so much, and it was such an honor. (laughs) 
such an inspiring chat with our new friend, Erica. She's making bold moves, but with smart and careful action, which I appreciate. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Erica Gellerman. Number one, grow your small business to build confidence and steady income. Before taking a leap like this, another income source is a smart move. Erica's worked for a while now to build up her income so that her young family's expenses are covered with her new business situation. This small business growth will also give you the confidence to say, I can do this. Number two, develop a runway of funds. You'll feel a lot more secure in transitioning to the entrepreneur world when you have a mega emergency fund to support you. Erica and her husband, Jordan, pulled up quite a bit of cash before making this decision. And they got health insurance coverage during the transition process as well. What a success story that Jordan negotiated this into his exit package. I was just blown away by that. Kudos to Jordan there. (laughs) Number three... Don't leave your job if you're not financially prepared. While the Gellerman story is super inspiring, it's also one that we should all learn from. Just because you're not into your job doesn't mean you should leave immediately without thought or planning, especially if you have kids, especially if you're a parent. Erica and Jordan have communicated, they've planned, they've saved, they've used those awesome three questions to inspire themselves, they've sold assets that didn't support their long-term plan, and then they made the leap. So be safe, be cautious, and then be bold. Erica, thank you so much for sharing your amazing family adventure with us today. I wish you the very best of luck with this family mission to Hawaii, and I hope Jordan finds something that he really loves to do. As a quick reminder, my friends, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Andy Hill MKM. That's Andy Hill MKM. The second thing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, share this episode with a friend who wants to grow their salary at work or embrace the entrepreneur world like Erica has. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 139. And if you're new to this show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that one at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anonymous. Be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. Be bold and be smart, my friends. Carpe diem! 